0: I'm Zach Harper with Cinephobe, The Athletic, Sirius XM NBA, SiriusXM XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, and Count the Dings, and you're listening to The Fan Levitard Show.
1: Welcome, Fan Levitardians, to another episode of The Fan Levitard Show. Remember to follow, like, and review the show. Five stars would be appreciated. Also, follow the show on Twitter at Lebetard underscore fan. And if you have any comments or suggestions, shoot us an email at fanlebetard at gmail.com. Folks, we have an incredible show for you today as we are joined by NBA expert and bad movie aficionado Zach Harper. In the first half of the episode, we break down the NBA finals between the Suns and the Bucks. And then in the second half of the episode, things go off the rails as we start talking movies and TV. Listen, this was an awesome interview, and I don't want to take up too much time here at the beginning. So with that being said, let's get into the episode. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome in today a guest that I am very, very excited about. You can read him in The Athletic. You can hear him on Sirius XM, NBA Radio, or you can hear him on his podcast, Cinephobe with Amin Al-Hassan. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Harper joining the podcast today. Zach, how you doing, man? You good? I'm good. You good? I'm good. So, okay, Allison? we we are, Allison? we are, sorry, what was it? No that? Allison?
0: No Allison. No, no, Allison, no Allison.
1: Allison. She keeps, you know, she won't respond to my DMs. I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of upset about that. Something something about women in the internet—they won't keep their DMs open, and I just don't it's understand. It's
0: weird. It. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what would uh, what would cause that, but you know, I don't either.
1: Well, well, weird. shout yeah. out to shout out to Smetty for keeping hers open at least. Um, Terrible idea, Smetty. You got to close those. <laughs> yeah. On honest to god, yeah. The I, I yeah. I was when when she was on here, I was chatting with her about just like the YouTube comment section for freedom and the Reddit and shit like that. <sighs> i could not be a woman on the internet man <laughs> so i have it so good it's just a white dude. yeah
0: i don't know how my girlfriend does it like it's i mean it's 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 got to be exhausting yeah, it's just got to be exhausting
1: yeah i can't imagine yeah um, um that was not the first topic but uh we're gonna leave that in anyway so, Zach, I'm really excited to have you on right now because, you know, we just finished game one of the NBA Finals. We're recording this on the 7th, so game two has yet to be played. And I'll be honest, I'm an East Coast guy. Uh, during the regular season, I'm hard-pressed to stay up and watch some of these West Coast games. Yeah. Is that East Coast bias? You, Yeah. Um, so, I'm mainly talking about myself here when I ask this first question, but the average NBA fan who doesn't stay up to watch those those West Coast games they've all forgotten pretty much how good Chris Paul is right because I'm seeing this for the first time in a long time I'm like holy shit I forgot how good he is
0: yeah I think well I think there are a few reasons here why he looks so good one he's historically great at his job like it's it's so funny to me and I get like I get he's annoying people don't like him they feel like you know he's punch nuts and grab nuts before and everything like I get I get the whole spiel against Chris Paul the competitor but he's so fucking good at his job and so historically good at his job and and the idea like I can't imagine being as good as Chris Paul is and having people like that dude's not that good that dude's overrated and like you have like he's unbelievable and so one you start with that that he's that good two um, I think people do want to discount what he does because he hasn't won a championship. Shout out to Stu Gatz. Yep. Three, I think that, you know, because of the West Coast thing, probably, you know, I don't know how many people were watching Thunder Games last year. So, you know, it's been probably a little bit before, Yeah, since people were paying attention to Chris Paul, but like he's just, you know, being on the West Coast, it does kind of hide you. No one really, we knew the Suns were good all year, but, aside from like some diehards who were not on the East coast, like no one really paid attention to the suns until the end of the season. And then on top of that, like the bucks could not have laid out a nicer dinner for him to eat and just been like, Hey, we're not going to bother you. Finish whatever you want, like eat whatever you want. And so there was like this perfect storm of people remembering like, Oh, this dude's, this dude's amazing at what he does.
1: Well, like to that note, I think even Even if you weren't paying attention to the regular season, you could kind of look at the path through this postseason and almost get a sense of like, okay, like, is he for real? Is this Phoenix Suns team for real? Because just like you look at their path to the playoffs, they beat the Lakers, but the Lakers were banged up. Anthony Davis, I don't think was was really right. Um, Sweeping Denver. Can't really say anything about that. That's that's an impressive series all the way yeah. across. But then beating the Clippers with Kawhi hampered and and not really there. It's kind of like okay, like what what type of Western Conference champ are we really looking at here? And I guess I'm curious, like when we look back on this season, if the Suns do go on to win it all, like is there going to be like an asterisk next to this thing? Like people are trying to do with the bubble season, or just like what what do you think the narrative of this team is actually going to be?
0: I think. The initial reaction will be like, yeah, you know, they had some breaks go their way. And then like, do we remember that Magic Johnson played one and a half games in the 89 finals when the Pistons beat him or 88 finals, whenever they were 89 finals when the Pistons beat him? I wasn't like, alive then,
1: so I don't. But Right, exactly. But
0: like, <laughs> no, right? Like, you yeah. get a little bit of time away. Like, in a couple of years, no one's going to care that Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got hurt against the Raptors. Raptors won the title, right? Like, yeah. there, there are always these factors. I mean, I think t- Tom Haberstrow had this when he was with NBC Sports the, that every season he found an, a reason for an asterisk for every single championship in NBA history. And it's like, you can you can play that game, like, yeah, it takes some luck, it takes some fortune to get through. For LeBron, he was in the Eastern Conference for eight years, just making the making the finals every year because the East sucked. Like his biggest challenge was Mike Budenholzer coaching the Hawks, and then like Paul George and Danny Granger. Like that was his biggest challenge, right? Yeah. And so There are, yeah, there are times where like you can pick it apart if you want to and people will, but you can only play who's in front of you. And we don't really remember when teams, you know, 20 years ago didn't have a hard path in front of them. And 20 years from now, we won't remember. We'll just remember that the Suns won the championship.
1: So again, this this all comes back to me basically being a terrible NBA fan because I feel like I don't know anything about this Suns team. Like sitting down and watching them on uh what was it, Tuesday was pretty much like the first time I've sat down and watched them actually play like a full game start to sure. finish. And one thing that struck me was that Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they're incredible at the mid-range game, which I yeah. was told For a long time, that's dead. That is a dying art. No one shoots the mid-range anymore. And I'm watching them, and I'm like, holy shit, they are incredible maestros at creating space in the middle of the floor and getting their shot off. Like, that thing Chris Paul does where he drives the lane, turns around, fades out from maybe, like, 10 feet out. Like, there's no way the analytics are are saying that's a high-percentage shot, but he looks so buttery smooth there. So, like... I guess am, is, is that just like my ignorance of the game or are the Suns like actually an anomaly here being this successful with two players doing that from the mid range?
0: No. See, all right. Analytics say don't take mid range shots because they're the least efficient shots, right? The most, everyone thinks that analytics means shoot three pointers. No analytics means get, get shots at the, at the rim. The most efficient shot in basketball is getting a shot at the rim. After that, it's a corner three-pointer. After that, it's getting to the free-throw line. Or maybe the free-throw line is ahead of the corner three. But it's in somewhere. That's the top three. Then it's shoot threes above the break. And then it's, all right, if you have to shoot a mid-range, shoot a mid-range. That's for any average NBA player. Devin Booker and Chris Paul are not average NBA players. Analytics looks at them shooting mid-range shots as that's a good shot because these guys hit it like 50% of the time. So it doesn't want like it doesn't want like Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins shooting midrange shots. Right. They're like, yeah, you could get a better shot than that. That's what analytics means. So a lot of people just think it means like, Oh, you have to shoot three pointers because Daryl Morey's Houston rockets. were like, fuck it. We're just going to shoot threes. Like, that's all we're going to do. We're <laughs> going to shoot 50 a game. And like, let's see what happens because they were trying to tilt things in a certain way. Um, and so like the, it, it's a good shot for like, I don't know, 15 to 20 people in the league. And two of them happen to be on the Suns. And the, the Milwaukee Bucks also have a defense where they're so paranoid about giving up paint points because, again, it's the most efficient shot, shot in basketball is shots at the rim. So they, their whole defense is geared to, let's take away the paint. And then at that point, it's uh, we'd like to defend some threes, but we saw against Miami last year and we saw against Toronto the year before. Sometimes they're not very good at that. And then they just leave that entire mid-range area open good idea against most NBA players not against the Suns with Devin Booker and Chris Paul so I think it's I think it's kind of a reminder for everybody that um if you're good at making any shot there is no bad shot for you it's kind of the Steph Curry thing right like there is no bad shot that Steph Curry could he could kick the ball from half court and we'd be like I don't know it's Steph Curry he might make it
1: (laughs) he's in range you never know
0: yeah he's in range right like we've seen him hit shots from like the tunnel like I guess that's a good shot I don't know
1: Okay, so that's interesting then, because like, again, watching the Suns for the first time, I am really struck by DeAndre Ayton. How... Yeah. good he is like I remember him coming out of college he was a fairly highly talented prospect had a good rookie year but mm-hmm. man I don't think I realized how good of a player he's developed into and so when you say that the Bucks are guarding the paint specifically is that just like them like that's their defensive ethos in general or is that specific yeah. to this son's team because DeAndre Ayton is there and he's going to catch a lob from Chris Paul with ease
0: no, that, that's everybody. So what's funny, a little history on that is is last year, that first game against the Miami Heat, everyone's always saying, oh, Budenholzer doesn't make adjustments, he doesn't make adjustments, right? And he usually doesn't. It's usually a, a fair criticism. But first game against the Heat last year in the bubble, he, he decides, like, you know what? We are going to guard the three-point line. Like, we're not going to take away the paint first. We're going to guard the three-point line. And then I think the Heat got, like, I don't know, like 70 points in the paint. right just completely took it they're like oh they're doing this okay we're gonna go here completely took advantage and then the bucks absolutely abandoned that the rest of the series and they got lit up from three-point range and it was kind of like okay the one time you make an adjustment like maybe you should have held a little stronger on this but they just they couldn't figure it out and so this is definitely something that the bucks do against everybody or they try to do against everybody they'll throw a wrinkle in every once in a while but for the most part they believe we've got Giannis we got Brooke Lopez, those are two of the biggest dudes in the league. Like if they take away the paint, we'll live with, you know, creating these other inefficient shots for other teams. Um but you're right, like Deandre Ayton has surprised everybody. He was not this guy before the playoffs. Like it like he's he's been this guy in flashes, he's been this guy for stretches, but his biggest issue in his first three years in the NBA has been, he's not consistent enough. He's not consistent enough um, in terms of like the motor on defense. He's not consistent enough in terms of just retaining that focus. And then he went into the first round against the Lakers front court. And even before Anthony Davis got hurt, like he was playing with them. He was he was just as good. He went in there and everyone focused on that that 30, 20, 10 triple-double from Nikola Jokic. Like he kicked Jokic's ass the rest of that series. They completely <laughs> neutralized the MVP. And then he went out and, you know, the Clippers didn't have any answer for him. They went small, he killed him. He they went big, they, they got killed. Like it, there was nothing they can do. And so I think that people are are realizing, like, hey, DeAndre Ayton is this good. Like, I I don't know if it makes him one of the best centers in the league because he's still so young and he still has a lot to prove. But he's talked about a lot about how Chris Paul has been the best thing for his career because Chris Paul is one of those guys Is like, hey, you need to cut out all that bullshit. Like, we play this way and we need to win and this is what you need to do to win. And if you don't do that, you are not going to stop hearing it from me. And so – It's either that he got through to DeAndre Aiden or DeAndre Aiden just got sick of hearing him and just decided, well, I I guess I got to play better because otherwise I'm going to get nagged to death. But that's what it's been. And he stepped up and he looks like look, Luca and Trey and Trey Young are still the two best players from that draft. But it doesn't look insane anymore that the that the Suns took him with a number one pick over those two guys.
1: You saying all of that has painted a mental image of me of Chris Paul just kind of like being a gnat flying around DeAndre James head, like look, walking through the locker room, just like flicking him on the testicles, like "Hey, cut that shit out, let's go." Yeah, just cut doing the, that, that until that shit. he just stops.
0: I I so I was a I was briefly a JV coach uh, with my friend Jimmy who um who actually works with LeBron James now, uh, and so we were JV coaches in Sacramento, and we had this kid Aiko Rabu who actually ended up playing briefly in the NBA. Uh, he played for the Clippers, um, I think their G League team. And then he, I think he's overseas now, maybe in Turkey or something like that. But Ike was a great kid. We were the JV coaches, and he came in as an eighth grader. And he was by far the best player like by far of like all these sophomores and stuff like by far the best player and we knew like we're not going to have him long they're going to just pull him straight up from eighth grade to like varsity like this kid's really good but the little we did get to coach him and try to coach him we would call it eighth grade shit we were like that's like he would like have these like lazy dribble or a lazy pass or a lazy shot or something like that and we would just say you got to cut out that eighth grade shit i would imagine that's what chris paul is like on like a thousand times more fire than what we were coaching Ike with is him just saying, you got to cut that shit. Like, no, we, we don't roll, roll soft on this. Like you have to sprint down the floor. You have to run to the rim and seal. You have to go and punish that young, you know, that, that small guy when, you know, you get the switch on you and they, and we put up a shot, like that's offensive rebound is yours. It's, it's just all these little tricks of the trade and you see it like, DeAndre Ayton sprints into taking into setting screens. Like not a lot of big men do that, but you can tell like he's motivated. He's like they got through to him.
1: All right, so we've we've done a lot of talking about the Suns and all the things that they have done right. Yeah. The big thing for me and my wife is a Milwaukee Bucks fan. So I'm much more familiar with watching them play. Yeah. And I have been struck by the conversation surrounding Giannis and the fact that he was very open saying I'm incredibly happy that I have Chris Middleton on this team, essentially mm-hmm. saying that M- Middleton is the closer on that team. And just watching game one and watching down the stretch, Giannis attempt to take over, you know, drive the drive the lane, get to the basket, draw fouls, but then get to the free throw line and for the most part, shit the bed up there. Like, yeah. I guess I'm curious, like, is this his backing down J.J. Barea moment <laughs> right here? Like, is this the hump that he's going to need to get over if he's actually going to take that next step? Uh,
0: no, I don't think that's I don't think that's fair. I think normally if he if he was a hundred percent and playing like this, yes, I think that would be fair. But that dude just hyperextended his knee a week ago. He should. I don't know how he's playing. Like, I get there was no structural damage or whatever. I've hyperextended my knee before. I know plenty of people who've hyperextended their knees before. That's not something you come back from in a week. I don't care what the treatment is. Like, he's he's a psychopath. We were talking to Chris Middleton. This was two years ago on the radio. And I asked him, like, have you noticed any changes, you know, in Giannis as he's become an MVP and all this stuff? So, you know, you were with him when he was a rookie. And he said, no, he's always been a crazy person. <laughs> like, he like from day one, like he's just, he's always been a crazy person. He's just better at basketball now when, as a crazy person. And so. I think you could see it in game one, like he wasn't trying to do the same stuff he normally does on offense, except when like, it was kind of like do or die in the fourth quarter. They're trying to come back from 20 um, and he's just trying to do what he can, but like defensively he couldn't close out on, on defend or on, on shooters. You know, he, he didn't have that change of direction. He didn't have that burst. Like he played well considering the knee injury, but he was not himself. And I think that that's, I don't know that you can expect him to be himself in this series at any point, because one, it might be a pretty short series. And two, like that's a serious knee injury that he, he's kind of lucked into it, not being worse.
1: Sure. 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 And, and, and I guess I didn't state my, my thoughts correctly there. I guess what I was more going for is that like, He's starting to develop this narrative even before this series that he is not exactly a closer of games. Like I've heard the I've heard the argument said that like he is the guy that gets you to be in a position to be able to close games. Like that first eighty percent of the game, that's where Giannis is shining. But that last twenty percent, maybe not his strong suit. And I'm wondering, I guess, like more if that's the last area that needs molding, or if it's possible for Um, him to like be a number one on a team and be this incredible talent that I think we all know he can be without that. I don't want to say killer instinct because that sounds incredibly harsh. I don't think he lacks that. It's just... No,
0: he definitely has it. Yeah, yeah. it's just... Um,
1: I, I, I don't know. Just that those those waning moments, he's just not, not his best.
0: I mean, he's just not a good shooter, right? And so, like, it's hard to be that guy when you can't shoot. And so, I think a good example of that was the first regular season game this season between the Bucks and the Suns. It came down to a last-second shot. Uh, Giannis took the ball. He took a few dribbles against a defender. He pulled up from, like... 16 feet on the on the left elbow. He clanked it off the rim, and then afterwards he said, "I want that shot every time." And they asked Devin Booker, and he was like, "Yeah, we want him. We want him to take that shot every time, right?" Like he wants the shot and he wants the moment. And the opposing defense is like, "Until he hits that shot, like we're gonna give it to him because we'd rather him there than at the rim." And so he just doesn't have the skill set to be a definite like takeover at the end of games. And I don't think it's a knock on him necessarily. Like if there's immense value. Like he is the number one on that team. There is immense value in being able to be the battering ram, knocking down the, you know, the reinforced door for three and a half quarters. And then you get to that final six minutes of the game. And Chris Middleton comes in and just like, you know, kind of kicks the door the the rest of the way open. We're like, Oh shit, the door opened Right. Like it's Chris Middleton didn't knock that over. They knocked it over together. Like Shaq wasn't getting the ball at the end of games. Kobe was. Because Kobe could shoot it, right? Like that, like Dwayne Wade was getting the ball at the end of games because Shaq is Shaq. And so Shaq can dominate for most games. Ideally, which is what the Bucks do throughout most of the regular season. Ideally, you're never in that position. You dominate for most of the game, right? And so they have those games more often than they need him to be a hero. But yeah, like I actually think it shows incredible growth and maturity out of him that he can be like, yeah, I'm fine getting us there, and then Chris takes us home like if if you win the championship who gives a shit who who hits a shot like it, at a certain point like all that matters is you get there and you win
1: but is that actually going to happen though that's that's the question like no cuz he's
0: hurt and they have Mr. Magoo <laughs> as their head coach like no like that's <laughs> like that's not going to it's not going to happen this year It might happen next year but not with Mr. Magoo out there
1: i was going to ask you like oh do you have any uh comforting words for my my wife the bucks fan that you know the there's still hope left in this season or in the series but i mean, yes i
0: do because i i got into this with a couple of bucks people after or throughout and after game one where they're like you have to give mike bootenholzer credit for the adjustments he made throughout the playoffs i was like what adjustments kyrie irving turning his ankle james harden having a half a leg like trey young turning his ankle those aren't adjustments those are you know that's that's something where it's like, oh ah, shit, they lost a guy. Let's,
1: Their adjustments, yeah, let's if they're premeditated, game. Zach. Their adjustments. Sure, if they're Sure, maybe Giannis stuck his ankle, you know, his foot under there. Who knows? I don't know what
0: I don't know what that was. Maybe they paid the ref to you know put his foot under Trey, Trey Young's ankle. I don't know, but um, but like you know, I guess Chris Paul or Devin Booker could get hurt, and then the Bucks could keep marching on. Like that's happened enough. But I think without a healthy Giannis, I man, I that's asking a lot for them to win the title. But hey, you made the finals. That's an accomplishment, no matter how you got there, you made the finals. That's an accomplishment, like that's a successful season, and I don't know, it might, it might still get Mike woundhose fired. I don't know what's going to happen there, but um, but you know, I, I think at a certain point, you could take this team, get a little bit better playoff coach, and you know you know maybe you, maybe you, you knock down the door next season.
1: Here's all I'm going to say, Zach, and I don't want to do any sort of reckless speculation here or anything like sure. that. I don't want to sure. insinuate any nefarious foul play, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying. They've played one game in the series so far, and the Suns are now out one player with an ACL tear. That's true. Is Boone and Holzer playing 4D chess while the Suns are playing checkers? Who am yeah. I to say? Who Who it, am I, Zach? Who it's am an I?
0: Ex- it's an excellent point. Unfortunately, it's like their ninth best player, so I don't know <laughs> that it was actually the guy that they wanted to have that ACL tear.
1: Listen, if Aiden goes down next, though, all of a sudden, mm, the, hey, wheels, you know what? Yeah. the wheels start turning we, I, just a little. I
0: guess we'll see what happens in game two of who gets hurt from the Suns.
1: All right. We have talked enough basketball. This has been way too sportsy an episode for for this (laughs) podcast. Um, Zach, tell me, you are a part of a little podcast called Um, Cynophobe. What exactly is that podcast about? I'm so
0: glad you asked that. So, Cinephobe is the podcast where Amin al-Hassan and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes. And we try to ascertain, were they properly poorly rated? Or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. That's Cinephobe, produced by Anthony Mays, which you can find anywhere you find podcasts.
1: (sighs) That just gave me chills. Just hearing that line said on the podcast so flawlessly. You've gotten so good at that, Zach.
0: Yeah, you know, you you badger people with it enough. It just becomes like, I probably know that better than I know, you know all my nieces names. I don't know.
1: (laughs) So, okay. This, this is a podcast that I, I was sleeping on for a while. Like I was a late arrival to this, but I have to admit it has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts and I am not even a movie buff type of guy. Like I am very hard to actually sit down, take the hour and a half, two hours to watch a movie. I'm not that guy, but I was introduced to this through your episode that you did on Wild Wild West and okay. <laughs> yeah. all I kept harkening back to was uh Cartman singing that in the episode of South Park well, I'm a And from there it just clicked and I was like Oh shit this this episode's really funny And then I started listening to the newer stuff And now I'm hooked Um, So I guess my question About that podcast in general Is that like the the entire premise Is you watch terrible movies Essentially for a living have you watched any movie because of that podcast that has really stuck with you for good or bad? Oh. Maybe like you just can't get it off you, like a bad smell.
0: That's a great question. Um, yes, I would say I would say one that I <laughs> one that we bring up often in our in our cinephobe group chat is the movie The Fanatic uh, with John Travolta, and um, in which he plays someone. Uh, someone who's clearly got some developmental problems and is like this super fan of Devin Sawa and it was I believe either written by Fred Durst or directed by Fred Durst and yes that Fred Durst Um, yeah and so it's about this like fan who's like like inappropriate stalking like all this stuff for this movie star and Travolta is a tour de force in this movie, and there's so many lines that we will constantly drop to each other throughout. I think it's through you know we have drops throughout our show and everything, and so that's one that I had never seen before. Knew I wanted to see it. Uh, We saved it for Cinephobe, and like I I don't know, there's a day that's gone by since we watched that movie, which I had to have been a year ago or more at this point that I haven't thought about something from that movie. The fanatic is just. I can't recommend it enough. It's an, it's an insane movie.
1: Is okay, see here's here's where things get tricky with this podcast of yours because when you guys at the end are phobing or filing something, yeah. you filing something doesn't necessarily mean that the movie's good. It means that it is potentially bad enough to be entertaining. And so this movie be, right. that you're describing, which one does that fall into right there? I
0: I think it was for the like it's a low budget movie I think it's actually not bad. I would say it's actually not like it's not good, but it's not bad. It's somewhere in that zone. And for me, I will often file it if I think like, man, if I was just scrolling through the channels right now and I saw that this movie was on, would I turn it on and just see where we are in the movie and then maybe watch some of it, if not the rest of it? That's generally how I file a movie. Otherwise, if I just really can't stand it or really didn't enjoy it, Um, then I, then I'll foe it. But yeah, for me, like it can mean like this shit is so bad that it's actually maybe kind of good or that this is actually a good movie. Like we did horrible bosses too. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. I I think it, I think it is, I think it's one of the best comedies that's ever been done. Um, it's, it's really legitimately hilarious. It's funnier than the first Amin and I used to fight about this, Movie constantly because he like he loves it too, but he was like, It's not as good as the first one. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's it's better. And then we watched it for Cinephobe, and that's where i where I file it because it's legitimately a great movie. It's legitimately a great comedy. And Amin actually came around was like, You're right, it's better than the first one. Which Amin to admit that he's wrong on something is a historic moment. And so um, there are some where I'm like, no, this is actually a good movie. Action Jackson with Carl Weathers from the, from the eighties, like that's actually a good action movie. Um, so there's some that definitely didn't get a fair shake by the poor ratings, but, um, but no, I would say like the majority of the ones that I file are probably just like, yeah, I'd watch that shit again. <laughs> I would watch it. I would watch, I would turn it on right now if I saw that it was
1: on. So, okay. This, that's interesting to me then because it sounds like the cases where a movie that you guys do is legitimately good, In your opinion, then, what happened there? How did it wind up to be eligible for Cinephobe?
0: One, it's a comedy, and comedies don't typically get great reviews. It's rare that a comedy gets its proper its proper due um, from the critics, and so like I've just come to realize, and done this by being on Twitter for like I don't know thirteen years at this point or whatever it's been (laughs) that like most people just don't know what's funny. Right. Like most people like people like think like Larry, the cable guy is funny and shit like, right? like, yeah, right, exactly. Or like any CBS sitcom is funny. Like they're like, oh, that's funny. And because there's a laugh track that tells you to laugh, like something like Horrible Bosses 2. It's like I love I love being able to watch an ensemble try to not laugh right? Because they're cracking each other up. And you can just see that throughout. Like, you can see it in the bloopers, obviously, that are online. But that movie, you can tell, like, a lot of that was them riffing off each other. A lot of that was chemistry. And that's the kind of comedy where I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know how anyone could watch this movie and not be dying the entire time.
1: Uh, Do you have off the top of your head a list of the least funny television shows that you have ever had the displeasure of seeing like can we shit on some network tv real quick? oh for
0: sure yeah um two broke girls is definitely oh. the first one that comes to mind um man what else is there uh it's, it's gonna be a lot of cbs like king of queens i've never laughed at
1: where do you fall on a big bang theory i've never watched it
0: no i watched one episode on an airplane once but i like i've just looked at him like I don't find that I like I just don't I don't think it's going to be funny now I will say one where I assumed I was going to hate it um was How I Met Your Mother I actually binged that I never watched it when it was on but once it was over I binged it because someone was like no I think you'll actually like it and other than hating the main character um I find the supporting cast to be hilarious so that was one where I was like oh I'm surprised like that's actually a funny show so maybe Big Bang Theory would be that for me but I've never had interest in like the smarmy nerd who like is like is has like I can go to Twitter if I want to if I want to deal with those people right like I don't and I don't need to and then I can just make fun of them and then that's funny to me
1: so have you ever sat down and watched an episode of the United States of Al if that hasn't been canceled yet
0: no I don't even know what that is oh my god dude
1: what is that uh, that is a show. I want to say that was a, a CBS one or maybe a Fox one about a soldier who's been serving overseas in the Middle East and he brings back with him, like, his Afghani translator and okay. tries to introduce him to, I guess, American life and shit like that. Sure. I, it, <laughs> that show would legitimately be one of the funniest things on TV if it was intended to be a parody of like military (laughs) tropes and sitcoms, but it's so sincere. Yeah. Oh no. That's terrible. Oh, it's, it's real bad. And (laughs) I turned that on with my family one time thinking like, Oh, we'll all get a laugh out of this. And I can't remember which one of my family members it was, but they legitimately chuckled at a joke and they were like, oh, this is pretty good. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ. No. Oh, no, that's so, Please, isn't no. that
0: crushing? Isn't that crushing when that you're like, oh, check this out. This shit's terrible. And they're like, oh, that's funny. I'm like, no,
1: don't do that. Like, I can don't, introduce don't you to that. so many good shows that are so yeah, funny and you can't yeah. laugh at United States of Al. Right. You can't.
0: So what's, what's like to you, what's your favorite like comedy show?
1: Uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is the standard for me will always be like my wife and I actually we have this conversation a decent amount it's like if you were stranded on an island and you had access to like one show what show would it be mine is always it's always sunny because I am watching these episodes 20 30 times and I am still laughing at these jokes like it's just. It's so well written all the characters walk that fine line of being terrible but you don't feel bad at laughing about all the terrible shit right. they do and like even going back and looking at the episodes from the early seasons that should be more problematic like I I just
0: <sighs> It's crazy what they got away with and that and that they're still going and that's the thing so I I think I had stopped watching around like somewhere in that eight, nine range and not for any, like, I didn't think it was funny anymore. It just, I just, for whatever reason, it fell off my radar. And so I, this was a few months ago. It was definitely during the pandemic where I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to binge them all. And I, and I caught up and I was like, holy shit. Like, how are they still so good? Yeah. Like the quality has not dropped off at all. Like 14 seasons in. And like, that's, I don't think people realize like how impossible that is. And the fact that they, I think they feel like they're halfway through what their original like story arc was and everything like i think i think they pitched i think they pitched to fx like when they first like pitched the show i think they pitched like a 36 season story arc
1: jesus danny devito is not gonna make it man i know he's gonna make
0: it to the next one for all we know like yeah i don't know what i don't know how they're gonna do that but yeah like they like they have ideas like they they know where they want to go with it and that's that's true genius to me god
1: alright well well. now that we're here what is your favorite uh, Always Sunny bit or like episode I know that's a loaded question because oh, that show man. has just got yeah. so many of them I,
0: I mean I really I really love that um, Charlie's illiteracy just <laughs> screwing them over and stuff like mm. uh, what's the one, one he's like I was like, what is that a pirate room he's got a bunch of pirates in there like little things like, you mean the door marked
1: private oh shit look at that door dude see that door right there one marked pirate you think a pirate lives in there i see a door marked private is that the, is that the door you're talking about no i was talking about uh, yep i didn't say no did you, what did you hear i heard you say you saw a
0: door marked pirate and yes, is there a pirate living you, in there no see that's I mean, not what i'm saying well look are, are we, we, we going to talk about restaurant? pirates
1: all day we're
0: going to find out what lives in there and him I, I mean it's a lot of charlie like him stalking the waitress i think is just fucking hilarious because it's so all of it is so messy like every every Relationships obviously so messed up when in that whole show, but um, but yeah, I think char like Charlie probably gives me the biggest laugh out of anybody,
1: which is so funny too because he's very clearly the most dark character in that entire yeah. show. Like, oh,
0: he's it's messed up, man. Yeah. Like everything with him is messed up. But
1: man, yeah, Char shout out to Charlie Day. Like, I I would say legitimately one of the best overall scenes I've ever seen of anything that just every time will just have me rolling is when uh, Dee is trying to get into boxing and Charlie starts taking all her steroids and yeah. they basically confront each other in the bar and he starts shaking, just yeah. chomping at this cheese steak like this rabid animal. Are you sure you're okay,
0: dude? Yeah, no, no. I start thinking, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, it makes me so angry.
1: What am I saying? Okay. We're gonna go. We're gonna go sign you up for the fight. Yes! And you stay here and eat your eggs. Have the have so make sure you eat some of the sandwich. Yeah, you can just meet us down there, alright? Can you meet us later? Yeah. Meet you later? Can I meet you later? Are you gonna meet us down-, yes! gonna meet down
0: there? Yes! I'm gonna meet you down there later! All
1: right. mm-hmm. 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 i just he 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 he, goes full ass off in that scene right there oh he's so good he,
0: he hasn't had an ass on himself in that entire series and and he's like he's a big reason why horrible bosses 2 is so funny like it's him it's sedagus and it's jason bateman and those are three of my favorite comedic performances consistently no matter what they're in and he's just like i i i think he's supremely underrated as like, i think you could put him in any show and he's gonna shine
1: for sure well we got a little off topic there i want to i want to try to steer us back on the movies because that is what uh cinephobe is about As as yeah. far as i understand as far as i can ascertain that's that's what your podcast is about am i am i right there
0: yeah cinephobe is the podcast where Mino hassan and i watch poorly rated movies on from Rotten Tomatoes and we try to ascertain whether they're properly poorly rated or maybe they didn't get a fair shake that's cinephile produced by Anthony Mays where you can find wherever you find podcasts
1: a little shaky on that one Zach I'll be honest. Yeah, a little so I think, bit. I, I, think yeah. I caught you off guard there a little bit well I was worried
0: I, as I started to talk I was like oh, I I can't remember if I turn my air conditioning off and it's getting <laughs> hotter in here and it will make a really annoying noise if it kicks on so I started I started worrying about that and got a little distracted
1: all good. Leaking confidence is fine on this show. We're <laughs> we're used to it over here. Yeah. Um so in terms of like watching movies, obviously you're consuming a ton of shit. Like as you say in your intro, concentrated bad movies. Yeah. Do you actually have time to watch like new releases or things that you actually want to watch or is your time just oh, consumed yeah. with like NBA and bad movies? Um
0: I mean I watch a lot of NBA. It's it's nice in the playoffs because it's just like not as much to keep track of. Like you might have three games in a night is when you're you're busiest i'm like i can get through three games pretty easily that's that's no that's no big deal i mean i i i work from home and so i'm you know i i'm writing during the day or i'm researching stuff during the day or whatever and i just i can throw on anything like it's always my background noise is something and then i also like to easily get distracted so that that helps in that process too like i just went and saw um it took me a week which is which is long for me but uh but i went and saw uh fast nine Uh, in the theater uh, this past weekend and so like yeah like you can you can make time for what you want to see and and try to figure out like I think the bigger problem is not movies so much but like keeping up on TV shows I want to watch and stuff like that I'm usually pretty late to that stuff now Um, but in terms of movies like yeah I can carve out a couple hours here and there
1: so okay I want to go to I guess now that we're releasing this it'll be I guess two episodes ago the episode you did on Blank Man um (laughs) i mean he um he might have been a little inebriated
0: he was and- drunk off his ass <laughs> off How? his ass
1: i mean drinking his ass off yeah
0: just lying in his own filth and spilled alcohol like that's what he was that's what he was in that episode
1: yeah <laughs> Okay, so listening to that episode was a trip because his constant derailments and shout out to Anthony for yeah. for editing that, that must have been a bear of a project to I, produce. As someone
0: who was in that podcast, wait, let me let me see how long that podcast, like the actual runtime on that one was. That cause I can tell you so Blank Man was. Um, Troopers. Yeah, that's a that's good not what, that's not what I want to do. So that was like an hour and fifty three minutes. We recorded for about two forty. Oh God! One, it should not take us two hours and forty minutes to record, like at all. Yeah. It like that is. It was. It's funny. Uh, I was listening to, I was re listening to an old one. It might have been. Showgirls or Double Impact. It was something where we did a, a two part episode. Um early on in the show. And I, there was a point where we we're like, Oh my God, we've, we've been recording for an hour already. And now I'm like, I just block off two and a half hours. And like <laughs> if we have cinephobe, like if we're recording at four today, like I I'm unavailable to till six 30. And then sometimes even that goes long. Like I, I just know now because Amin, mean, when he's like not locked into the, the movie and not locked into the episode, like we can get through it pretty quickly. I mean, when he's locked in and it's something he's really excited about, it's going to go a little bit long because he's going, oh, no, "No, you forgot this," and "Oh, you didn't mention this," and everything. And that I don't mind so much. When he's drunk, and this has been a consistent, uh, you know, process for him, when he's drunk, it is he's getting up and walking away to go get water, to go eat food or something, like he's walking away from the microphone. And then he's like, "Like we say something," because he has his wireless headphones on, and so he, he said, "We say something." And he's like, "Oh, oh." And they I come got running notes. back into the I room, yeah. <laughs> I got notes. And it's just like it's constant derailment. It's like Maze, Maze is a terrorist because he picks some pretty fucking awful movies for us <laughs> to do. But I do have to give him credit where I. It's hard enough for me to keep the episode on track as like the lead host, to for Maze to then have to go. One, he has to go through it during the recording. Then he has to go through it during the editing process. And then he has to listen back to it again to make sure the editing was all correct and stuff. Like He is is going through so much drunk Amin. (laughs) Way more than anybody else. And I do feel for him a little bit until he picks some shitty movies.
1: So, okay. The real question is, though, is the show better when Amin is drunk or sober?
0: Sober. Maybe so a little thinking? drunk, not drunk, not drunk. Like, that's the thing. We got so many people going, oh, we need more drunk. I mean, that was hilarious. No, no, no. That was a chore. That was arduous. <laughs> that was a pain in the ass to go through. It worked. Everyone's like, oh, it worked. It worked because of me, because Maze and I kept reining it back in and moving it forward. If we didn't do that, we'd still be recording Blank Man. That was two weeks ago. <laughs> like, we'd still be recording that fucking episode because I mean, cannot be trusted.
1: Drunkamine is basically Billy Gill, when it comes to just speaking <laughs> right. in general, except way more offensive. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, like drunkamine's a good time, not when you're podcasting with them, though.
1: <laughs> oh God, that's great, man. Um, I okay, so I have a list of notes here, and I must not have finished this one because all it says is Amin's dick discuss and i don't know what i was going for there um uh, i guess was it ripped was it ripped off perhaps because like his no. his 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 fantasy his dream scenario seems to be just like being on an island and just like yanking it until he just died yeah, i guess like,
0: like he he talked he's talked about like how if he went i can't remember this was a pretty recent episode where if he was in solitary confinement in prison it was this. He it was just,
1: his he, most recent one. It was. Yeah, on, he, um
0: he would just masturbate all the time.
1: Yeah, this was during and killing season.
0: Yeah, like he like that's become a running topic with him. Um, in a, an episode a while ago, I think this was last year. Uh, he talked about how he goes scouting while watching some movies, and so you're probably wondering what scouting means. What scouting means he'll go and look at like a porn site, but not not to masturbate, just to like pick movies to watch later when he's going to masturbate. So like, that's him scouting. So if we ever talk about like, Oh, it means scouting right now. That's what that means. That's what that inside joke is. Um, And so, yeah, like I would say it means got a problem uh, just in general, (laughs) just
1: Just one problem.
0: I mean, just one overarching problem. That's got a lot under it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. So because I am a late arrival to the podcast in that same note of having a problem, how did the joke begin that Maze is a pedophile?
0: That one I don't remember which I th- I think it was the Problem Child episode. I think that's what it was, but I don't remember why. I think he maybe made a comment that came off weird and Amin ran with it and then next thing he's just saying like he's <laughs> he said to like like guess we've had before as we're recording stuff like oh Maze is a pedophile. And it's like, well, hold on. We we should maybe <laughs> like explain that reference a little bit here and then and then maze every once in a while will lean into the when we make a joke and i don't feel comfortable with that i don't like that so i will bail out of that joke real quick if he does that and maybe that's what he's trying to get me to do but um but yeah i think it i think it was the problem child episode
1: I am honestly shocked to hear that you guys are leaning away from jokes because some of the stuff that gets through, I'm like, oh man, like that's <sighs> that's edgy humor right there. Wow, you
0: don't want to know what doesn't get through. There, there's some of the stuff that we've been like, all right, we have to cut that. Like, there, no, see,
1: Zach, here's the thing. I absolutely do want to know. All of that shit, it's, that is right it's up not, my alley.
0: It's not suitable for the, like, maybe, maybe there's a day where we no longer worry about having jobs. Like then at that <laughs> point, maybe we can let that stuff fly, but no, there's a lot of stuff that does not get through. <laughs>
1: i feel like i have that in my life with a uh, one particular friend we have a we have a g chat that we keep going on that we just have dubbed like boys chat and that's where all the worst shit goes it's sure. all it's all the bullshit it's all the nonsense yeah. before we have to like go back to our regular lives and be civilized human beings who are right. functioning adults yeah, uh who aren't threats to society
0: exactly yeah, yeah exactly right
1: oh man well zach um I think that was pretty all-encompassing. I feel pretty good about that. Um, If the people want to find you, want to find all the things that you do, whether it be in The Athletic, whether it be on SiriusXM NBA Radio, or if it be on Cinephobe, uh, how can the people find you?
0: You can find everything at TalkHoops on Twitter or TalkHoops on Instagram, uh, theathletic.com. Make sure you subscribe. It's the best sports coverage on the internet. Uh, You can subscribe to SiriusXM and hear me Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning from 10 to 1 Eastern uh, on SiriusXM NBA Radio. Or myself and Amin have our own show on Mad Dog Sports Radio every Friday night from 10 to 1 Eastern. Um, and then make sure you subscribe to Cinephobe, which is the podcast where Amin Al-Hassan and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes. And we try to ascertain were they properly poorly rated or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. That's Cinephobe produced by Anthony Mays, where you can find anywhere you find podcasts.
1: Boom! Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, he stuck the landing. There Flawless. it is. Flawless. Yeah. And uh, you also have a Patreon. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, Count the Dings. Um, so Count the Dings is our is our podcast company that we co-founded with uh, some other friends of ours, Tom Haberstroh, uh, Wozni Lambray, Travon Edwards. Um, and so that was, we used to have podcasts at ESPN, and then we went off on our own a couple of t- different ways. And so Count the Dings... Uh, patreon.com slash count the dings that's where you get all of our bonus content so if we have a holiday episode we just did the goods um for fourth of july we did a uh, delta farce for memorial day Later we did on. um yeah we did uh what else did we do we did
1: how high i believe uh, for 420
0: how high for 420 we did a uh, great white hype for um for saint patrick's day like we've done a bunch of these and so um, yeah, all of our holiday episodes are Patreon exclusive episodes, and then we have extra stuff. We have uh, this um, show or this game show, Cinefeud, where uh, Maze asks Amin and I questions about the, our own podcast, about movies and stuff like that. And holy shit, do we not remember anything? We have not retained anything. We've done it twice now. I think we have another one coming up pretty soon. But all that stuff, uh, patreoncom slash
1: Zach Harbour, ladies and gentlemen. Zach, you are a rock star. Thanks for spending so much time with us tonight. We really appreciate it, man.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.